Welcome to Impactful Teens, a podcast dedicated to helping teens create an impactful and God-honoring life by developing a fulfilling and meaningful career. Each episode is 5 to 10 minutes of inspiration, motivation, and practical applications to design your life and career in a way that positively impacts the world around you. In today's episode, I want to talk about the first piece of the five conversations framework, and that is the climate or environment review. Environment being the various situations that we find ourselves in from day to day, this in particular with teens. They find themselves in so many different environments, and to really get to know and understand, get them to open up, we need to understand how they fit into those environments and how to relate to them within that and to draw them out and get them to talk about it. I also want to teach you how to ask a question that won't have your teen feeling defensive and won't close them up, but will rather draw them out and help them to talk with you, help them to open up and to really to to become friends with you, to be someone that they can confide in. That'll be towards the end of it. But for now, let's dive into the main topic of the show. I'm going to read a bit from a couple of articles. The first being from youth.gov. The environments that surround adolescents contribute to their health and well-being, both directly and indirectly. A clear way to look at all these influences is through the social ecological model developed by Uri Bronfenbrenner. I butchered that one. It's often used within public health and human services to explain an issue or situation and identify strengths and areas of weaknesses. The different environments in this model typically include the individual, which is at the center. This is your teen, your your daughter, or your son. They are the individual at the center of their environment, the person of focus. Then around them, you have their microsystem. That would be their relationships with family, uh, their friends at school, the school personnel, their peers, And everybody that they interact with, be that at the store, at their job, that's their microsystem. Then you have what's called the mesosystem, and that's the interactions between those microsystems. So that would be between their parents and their teachers, and between their peers and their job, how those different microsystems interact. And next, you have the exosystem, which is like local politics and the media that they would interact with and and be affected by each day. And lastly, you've got the macro system, which is national policies and the attitudes of the culture. Moving on, social media affects teens massively. Today, the biggest one is TikTok. Social media includes websites and applications where people can create and share content with others online or participate in social networking. It's also a place where people can build online communities, but that has a dark side as well. Social media is often used by adolescents, with 95% of teens reporting having access to a smartphone, and 45% reporting they are online nearly all the time. While it does have many positive influences, it also has lots of negative effects on youth. And one of the main negative consequences of social media for youth is bullying. That leads to increases in depressive symptoms, low self-esteem, and other mental health issues. Social media, while present through many environments, 
It follows an individual wherever they are, including at home, in school, at work, and so on. Bullying can take the form of online harassment while also following an adolescent into real life while at school or in their neighborhood, creating a constant negative presence. We're going to break those uh, those areas down a little more, the different systems. So we've got the individual. That's the biological and personal history which factors into their life, uh, their likelihood of becoming a victim of violence. Um, it has to do with their age, education, income, or substance use. And you've got the relationships, uh, close relationships like family, friends, your school relationships, and so on. And then the community around them, school, workplaces, neighborhoods. Then you have the society at large. That would be uh, the people that you meet while out shopping or just in daily general life that you don't have a common interaction with every day. Those areas have massive impact on the life of an individual, but especially the life of a teen. So now I want to dive into how to ask questions, how to get your teen to open up while you're talking about these different things. This comes from Inc.com. 11 questions interesting people always ask is the name of the article. So number one, you need to make your questions open-ended enough to trigger an intriguing story. So ask questions that trigger stories about things that happened at school, about how the game went at school, or how they feel about band practice, how their friends interact with them. Ask open-ended questions that get them to draw, that draws out a unique story from your son or your daughter. And number two, choose positive questions. Most of the time, we should avoid political or religious questions because that can trigger potential negative reactions. And you want to start off the conversation on a positive note to get them in a good mood, get them a chance to reflect on something that they're happy or excited about. And number three, we need to make sure our questions make the other person feel important. The best conversations with someone you just met are initiated by you wanting to learn about the other person, about what they do and how they do it and why they do it. That goes back to having a high curiosity quotient. You want to learn about them. And when you, when you can ask questions in that light, you immediately make a positive first impression. Or, you know, with your son or your daughter, you're not going to make that first impression now when they're in their teen years, but that can open up the conversation on the right note, creating and opening them, helping them to feel safe and allowing themselves to be more vulnerable with you. And number four, choose questions that will build up momentum, like casual questions that set the mood and establish rapport before you go off on the deep end about trying to find out the things that you're really digging at. From PositiveDiscipline.com, Curiosity Questions. Helping children explore the consequences of their choices is much different from imposing consequences on them. Exploring invites the participation of the children or the teens to think for themselves and figure out the consequences of their choice and to decide what's important to them and how to achieve what they want. Some typical curiosity questions might look like, what are you trying to accomplish with this? How do you feel about what happened or about how that turned out? What did you learn from that? How can you use what you learned in the future? And what ideas do you have for solutions now? 
These are typical curiosity questions, and it's important to not have a script. The point is to get into their world, to allow them to dictate the conversation. Why is not a suggested question, because why sounds accusatory, and it often causes them to become defensive. Here's a couple guidelines when using curiosity questions when opening a dialogue with your child. Don't come into the conversation with an agenda. You're not getting in their world if you have an agenda about how they should answer the questions. That's why it's called curiosity questions, because you're curious about them. You're drawing them out. And don't ask questions if either one of you is upset. Wait till you're both feeling calm. When you're upset, that creates defensiveness because your questions often come out in the wrong tone of voice. And last of all, ask curiosity questions from your heart. Use your wisdom to show you how to get into their world, to show empathy, and to be accepting of them. When solutions come from children or are brainstormed together and the child chooses what will be most helpful, the child will learn valuable decision-making skills. And they'll also learn that mistakes aren't horrible if you don't beat yourself up about them, but rather look at them as an opportunity to learn. So that's all I've got today. I hope this was helpful and valuable to you in understanding how to ask a question, how to go about opening the dialogue with your son or daughter without them feeling defensive and feel like you're accusing them all the time or leading them to a certain outcome or or leading them to a solution that you are chasing, but rather allowing them to direct the conversation through your strong question-asking skills. Get curious. That would be what I would leave with you today, is to just get curious about them, to learn about them, make them feel valuable by listening. As always, stay focused on your mission, remain steadfast in your pursuit of excellence, and always do the right thing.